Lord, on this day, when we celebrate the gift of motherhood, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that for the gift of all those who have mothered us and cared for us. But Lord, we also recognise for some today is a hard day. And Lord, in this time of worship, we pray that you will come close to all those who are hurting. Who are struggling. Bless them, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have a video now to just help set the scene for Mothering Sunday and then it will be continued with that song, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. For lots of us, Mother's Day is a really happy day. A day to celebrate our mums and say a big thank you for all they do. For their love, hard work, wisdom and comfort for walking with us through the highs and the lows, for being there through the tears, and big steps, and struggles, and sorrows, and joys, and laughter. But for some of us, Mother's Day is a hard day, a sad day. Some of us had mums who didn't look after us well. Some of us are remembering mums who are no longer here and children we have lost. Some of us would love to be mums, but can't. Our relationships might be complicated, strained or broken. But we can still be thankful for the many women in our lives who have nurtured, cared for and loved us. Women who have been mothers to us in lots of different ways. Who spend time with their nephews and nieces, who hang out with teenagers at the youth group, who pray for us each week and encourage us to keep going, who teach us about the best parent God who adopts us into his family forever. So whether you're a birth mum, a foster carer, an adoptive mum or longing to be a mum, Thank you to all the mothers in our lives, whatever they look like, for all you do and say and are, seen and unseen. Thank you. We worship God's holy name. Apologies, I understand one or two people online were finding that I was distorted and fuzzy was the description I got. Well, fuzzy's normal for me. <laughs> But uh, we apologise, we hope it's now clearer for you uh, in what you are hearing. The psalmist says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him.
May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of nations will bow before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. Praise him, you heavens. Great in power. And I need to say to those of you in the building, yes, please be seated. It is great to see a few of you up and uh, praising God as we were worshipping with our silent voices here in the building. But I'm sure you are singing out aloud at home. Uh, I'm Vicky. I'm one of the ministers here. And I'm going to be using this next moment to continue with our Dear God, I'm Not Okay series. And this week we're focusing on relationships and isolation. Now, on Mothering Sunday, many of us aren't able to be with our mothers. And for all of us, whether we have our mothers or we don't, we will know that actually it reminds us of how hard it is at this time to be in isolation, to be separated. Because of course we were designed and are designed by God to be in relationship one with another. Yes, we praise God for the technology that means you at home as well as you here in the building are able to join in on our service today. But so many of us are fed up with looking at our loved ones through the screen or just through the use of a phone or even just through sending a letter. For many of us, we will know that care homes have started to allow people to come back in and there is an opportunity for our hand to be held, albeit with PPE in the way. And there's that sense of separation and intimacy and closeness that is defined by the sheer fact of holding another's hand. Of course, most touch is good, but sadly, not all touch is good. Some touch is abusive. Abuse is never, ever right. For some, we recognize that for this last year in particular, being locked in together, being stuck under the same roof, has put a strain on relationships. It may have challenged the patience of wives and husbands, parents and childs. Relationships may have been harmed and damaged. And if touched to you today equates to abuse and harm and violence, particularly if we think about what's happened this week in the news, then I would say to you, we and other agencies are available. Do not let that moment pass. No one should put up with abuse of any kind. But thankfully, most touch is appropriate. Most touch, the handshake, the hand on the shoulder, the hug of a friend or a family member, the kiss of a, of a person greeting another, that lovely image of a grandparent picking up their small grandchild and spinning them around, and laughter and squeals of joy is so obviously part of a relationship and so very different to the isolation that many of us are feeling at this time. We are missing that sense of touch. Even coming into the building this morning, we aren't greeted with that handshake or the hand on the shoulder. We've been isolated from friends and families, from our work colleagues perhaps, and this year has been hard. 
this year reinforces that sense of aloneness. We have found it painful and hard and tough. Here I have two glasses of water, both the same at the moment. I'm going to use these two glasses to help us now with our prayer. Because into one of them, I'm going to tip some salt. Some salt that resembles the salty tears that many of us will have shed. The tears, the pain, the hurt, the loss, the sadness, the things that may not have yet come to pass. Perhaps for you, tears that resemble and remind you of grief and isolation and loss. But then we have this other glass, this glass of pure, fresh drinking water. This glass of water that reminds us that when we drink it, we are refreshed. When we pour it on our new seedlings or on our gardens or it comes naturally from the rain, we see new life bursting forth. We see signs of hope. We see and know that refreshment that comes. And so I'm going to use these two glasses and I invite you to sit at home or here. And you may choose to do this after the service if you want more time. But for now, I invite you to pray as I hold this glass of salt water in my hand. And Father God, as we come before you, we recognize that this glass is to remind us of the tears that we may have wept. We come before you and admit how we are feeling. We come before you and tell you what we have missed. The pain that we may be holding in our hearts. We want to be real about our feelings and not put an external face on all that is going on. Like the Israelites in exile by the rivers of Babylon who sat down and wept for what they missed the most, Lord, we come before you and we weep too. Speaking with you about all that is in our heart. And Father God, we know that you understand because your son knew what it was to be isolated from you in heaven. We know what he experienced in the garden of Gethsemane on the, in the agony on the cross. And at his point of need, he cried out to you too. And so in our tears and in our pain, may we know the embrace of God. And as I pick up this glass of fresh water, we want to say thank you for the promise that you are always with us, that you want to refresh us and renew us and pour out your love upon us. Father God, as we think about relationships and isolation, we thank you for those who have journeyed with us over these last months. We thank you for the focus of family, 
Lord, help us in our individual lives and in our family lives to be the kind of family which welcomes the stranger, the lonely, and the needy. On this special day, we do give thanks for all those who have acted or been our mothers. We thank you for the joy of family life, but Lord, today we pray for those who are grieving because that is not their experience. They may not have their own mother now, or they may not have had a significant person in their life or were able to have children. But Lord, as we hold this glass of fresh water, we thank you that you can still enter our lives and give us the hope when we are in pain. We pray that your love will be present in our lives and that, Lord, your hope will be reborn. As fresh water brings with it new life and joy, may we know the joy of being part of your family recognizing that you created each one of us. In the tears and in the renewing and the refreshment, Lord, we come before you. Hear our prayer, we pray. Amen. If I was to ask you what our theme of the year, the text that we've had for 2021 some of you will maybe in your mind's eye will go back to wherever you've put your um, text for the year uh, in the magnetic form, maybe on your fridge or on a, maybe on a radiator, and you'll know there's those three words, peace, joy, and celebration. And so we're going to continue to worship God and to give him the praise this morning as we sing the song that's been put together by our own worship te team, You Shall Go Out With Joy. Good morning, everybody. Oh, and it's nice to hear actually people say good morning in person. <laughs> um, please join us again at 6 p.m. this evening um, online only. If you'd like to be here in person, you can be here this Wednesday lunchtime for our 12.45 service. Um, there's quite a lot of space on uh, Wednesday lunchtime, so if you'd like to come but you want to feel that um, getting used to being around people again in a socially distanced way and back in church, please do make a booking for this Wednesday. And you can also be with us again next Sunday morning at 10.30 in person again if you could book a place and it would be lovely to see you. We've got a couple of events happening this week via Zoom. Um, we're starting to look um, to the future and to um, getting some activities back um, when we're able to. And some of those areas are the youth and children's activities. If you'd like to find out more what it would be to um, serve in that area, um, there's no commitment at the moment. It's just to find out about it. Hannah is holding two Zoom sessions. Tomorrow evening at 7pm, it is for um, the creche up to primary school age. And then at 7pm on Thursday, it is secondary school, college and sixth form age. If you're just interested, even so, please do join because all of the activities across the church, we'd love to be able to get them back up and running when we're able to in the coming months. However, we can't do that if we don't have volunteers who are able to serve. So if you are interested, please do join those sessions. And then we have got this Wednesday our second session of the Wellbeing Journey. Um, it starts at 7.45 via Zoom. Um, 
we've seen the um, adverts over the last couple of months, please do join us. Um, it's a really good time to be part of a small group via Zoom and then collectively all together. So please join us Wednesday at 7.45. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hayley. Last week, Vicky uh, told you about our Palm Sunday challenge. Palm Sunday's two weeks from now. And uh, what we want to do, you know, we, over the year we have done different photo challenges, video challenges. What we'd like you to do for this challenge is a, a picture or a video of no more than 10 seconds. We cannot use them if they're more than 10 seconds. We say this every time, but I still get them in for about 1 minute 30 in that. That would make a very long video. No more than 10 minutes, 10 seconds. <laughs> Jot, when you were all online, I did not get the heckling I get now. <laughs> no more than 10 seconds. But it would be great if we could have either a picture or a short video with the theme Hosanna, Welcome is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That Palm Sunday celebration, what would it look like for RBC? And you could either do it um, just holding banners. You might want to get into your national attire or whatever. It would be wonderful to see a whole spectrum of beautiful people worshipping our great God. I need those pictures in by... Monday week, tomorrow week, because it does take time to put it back to put it together in a video afterwards. And the a way of doing it to get them in is on the notice sheet, including a WhatsApp number if you prefer to just WhatsApp the photo, or you can email them in or whatever. But it'll be wonderful to have a number of pictures uh, just showing us worshipping God. Thank you to all who give to the church regularly through the offerings. There are many ways you can give. You can give using the church app. You can give using uh, those who come to the church, just dropping it in the boxes that are now available for you to put your offering in. You can give online, and uh, either through the website or using the backs payments with the details on the notice sheet. And as of today, you can give by credit card, uh, debit card, debit card, not credit card, as you come in using our debit card reader. And it, it's default to £5 donation, but if you want to do more or less, just tap it and run your finger up and down until you get the amount you want to give. Let's give thanks to God for our offerings, and then we're going to come to our prayers of intercession. Father, we thank you for the ability to give to you as part of our worship. Lord, we remember that the scriptures encourage us to do that, but they encourage us to do it freely and joyfully. And so, Lord, we joyfully give to you of our best. As we give you the money, Lord, we also pray that you will lay on our hearts what you would want us to do with our times and our talents. And whether, Lord, it is time for us to be involved in the worship, in the service of you in different parts of the church life. We particularly pray for Hannah and the work amongst the children and young people 
at this time. And as we come on Mothering Sunday, we focus on those who, through the scriptures, enjoyed motherhood or it was a problem. Eve, the mother of our humanity. Lord, teach us true wisdom that all life is precious in God's sight. As we remember Sarah, Hannah and Elizabeth yearning for a child, Lord, comfort and strengthen all who know the pain of infertility. As we remember Hagar, condemned to the harshness of exile. Lord, sustain those who struggle to feed their sons and daughters. We remember Rebecca, a bride from a far-off land. Welcome women who must bring up family among strangers. We remember Rachel weeping for her children. Lord, we weep with all mothers whose children have disappeared. We remember Jochebed, mother of Moses and Miriam. Lord, we pray for those who use ingenuity to seek protection for their children. We remember Naomi and Ruth bound together by a love greater than blood. Lord, show us how bitter disappointment can become the sweetness of hope. We remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we will know the secrets of God that she pondered in her heart. And Lord, as we in a week have seen violence, hatred, and anger built up, we pray, Lord, for all those who are hurting at this time. And Lord, as we have seen women fearful for going out on the streets, Lord, we pray that all of us will play our part to keeping all safe. Lord, we pray for a unity within this nation again. 
a unity where every person is valued and no one lives in fear. And Lord, as we see through the media the story they want to tell us, yet behind every story are other stories. Stories created by anger, created by selfishness, created by trying to get a narrative going. Lord, we pray for our media at this time that they will be people who bring the truth and hope. Lord, we pray for our emergency services, often who find themselves in the front line of decision-making and between warring parties. We pray for those in all our emergency services, the fire, the ambulance, the police. That, Lord, they will be protected and strengthened. We bring our prayers in the name of our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Before we hear the scriptures read and Vicky coming to preach, we have that great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Good morning, church. The reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. A call to persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I knew I'd put it down somewhere, but as you could probably see, I was thinking, what have I done with it? Good morning. I'm waving because I forgot to wave earlier. I'm waving now, waving to you at home, waving thank you for waving to me here in the building. Now, as well as putting the Bible down somewhere, oh yeah, I've still got my mask on. Ian's waving that at me. <laughs> I'm so used to wearing it at Parkside that I forgot it was still there. <laughs> right, as, as well as putting my Bible down, I've also snuck 
this little basket. And in it is a bag of marshmallows. Now, I found this bag of marshmallows when I was looking for something else in my office. And uh, I thought, oh, I wonder how long they've been there. I don't like marshmallows, so I was quite happy with the fact that they were in there. And um, they're, not, they're not weeks out of date. They're not months out of date. They are years out of date. But I thought, I'll open the packet and see what they're like. And I opened them up, and I discovered, yeah, the outside is possibly a little firmer than maybe you would expect. But I discovered that you could, they're still quite soft, soft and squidgy. You can't see that probably very well on the camera, but they're still quite soft and squidgy. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing. Because we're looking today at our theme of heart-to-heart sorrow and joy. And as I was thinking about my marshmallow being a bit firmer than normal, but actually still quite squidgy, I was thinking about our hearts. How sometimes what can happen in our lives can impact on our hearts. We know that hearts can be broken, hearts can be impacted because of sadness, because of sorrow. Because maybe of something that we have done to hurt others, or they may have hurt us. Maybe we have hurt God. We've hurt ourselves. All of these things can have an impact on our heart, as well as those moments of joy and celebration where we are just excited and delighted. There are those moments when in our lives, God is speaking to us in our hearts and we are challenged and we're wanting to move on. But the last thing we want is to be like this marshmallow that I took out of the packet earlier in the week and I've left it on the side and trust me, I cannot squidge this marshmallow because it's become hard. It's become unmalleable, for want of a better word. I'm not sure if that is a word, but I'm using it for today. A hard heart, this, like this hard marshmallow, it's one that's incapable, possibly, of even feeling that emotion because we've, we've filled it with pain and bitterness and anger. We've almost left those negative feelings or that pain to encase our hearts and it's no longer the heart that's beating and allowing love and joy in. It's a heart that's become hard and unmoving. Jealousy, malice, all those negative emotions can turn what is a soft and malleable heart into one that is quite hard, unable to be squashed. Looking at the theme of heart-to-heart, sorrow and joy on this Mothering Sunday, I thought, how can I look at that today? And I thought about the lives of three women, two of whom we've already mentioned in our prayers this morning, and one other. And the first one is the life of Hagar, or Hagar as Ian pronounced it. I'm going to stick to Hagar the way I've always pronounced it. Hagar. If you don't know the story of Hagar, I encourage you to read Genesis 16 to 21 in the beginning of the Bible and read about the life of Hagar. Hagar, who was the Egyptian slave of Abraham and Sarah. She became a mother, 
the mother of Ishmael, because Abraham and Sarah didn't believe that God would bless them with a child. And so together they contrived and Abraham and Hagar had a child and they named him Ishmael. If you read Genesis 16 to 21, you will see that for Hagar becoming a mother, being a mother wasn't a straightforward, joyous moment. She experienced sorrow and joy. She experienced jealousy and pride and arrogance, fear and bitterness and hurt, as well as the joy of becoming a mother and watching her child grow up. Ian earlier read a section from Psalm 22. And if you know Psalm 22, you'll know that it almost can be divided into two halves. A half which is full of lamenting and sorrow and despair. And then the part that Ian read, which is much more upbeat, much more focused, much more praiseworthy. Last verse of Psalm 22, which we didn't hear, says this. They will proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. But before that, in the start of the psalm, we see the psalmist lamenting and lamenting and breaking his heart. Lamenting, it's a word that's become much more pronounced and prominent in this last number of weeks and months. Many of us have lamented. We've cried out to God. We've told God in no uncertain terms how we feel, what we think is going wrong, what we're experiencing. We've, we've as well as lamented, we've told God that he's got to do something about it. But when we're lamenting, a bit like we were when, we ha- when I held that, that glass of salt water in my hand in prayer earlier. Lamenting is about something deep within our hearts, crying out to God. It's almost as if our hearts have been broken. But as I prayed that prayer with the salt water, I also used that glass of fresh water to remind us that we can't stay in a place of lament. Because there is always hope and joy and love and faith to come. It may take a while, but we can't stay in a place of lament. We need to find a way forward with God's help. And in our well-being course, as a staff team, we were on this week, which is week four, we were reminded of that sense of faith, hope, and joy, a bit like our text for the year, a bit like the passage that we've just had read by Tanya this morning, which reminds us that God is with us in the sorrow, but he wants to take us on a journey out of that place. And that's why I've chosen the life of Hagar this morning. Because we can see she experienced both sorrow and joy. When things got tough, she ran away. 
On the first occasion she went away, it was because Sarah was treating her badly. And there as she fled, the angel of the Lord met with her. He encouraged her, he challenged her. He said to her, you need to face your problems. And for her, at that moment in time, it was Sarah that was the problem. And God, through the angel of the Lord, said, I will bless you. I will bless your unborn child. God was saying that nothing that she was experiencing, and the same is true for us, is too big or too complicated for God. Hagar met with that angel, the angel of the Lord, and she let him in, and she took courage, and she listened, and she went back. And we too need to meet with God. Allow him in to take us from that place and to allow us to move on. Don't let our hearts become like this hard marshmallow. Too hard to become malleable again. The second time that Hagar went away, we can read in Genesis 21, and it was after Sarah and Abraham's own child, Isaac, had been born, and Sarah had thought, that is enough. I've had enough of Hagar and Ishmael being here, and she wanted Hagar gone. And it says this in Genesis 21. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. And he set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy, and she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And she went off and sat down about a bowshot away. She thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And that word, that verb of to sob or to weep that we just heard in those verses is the word that is associated with the lament. Again, we see God intervening as he met once again with Hagar. He promises again that he will be faithful. And once again, he sent her back to that situation. Now, I want to be really clear this morning. It is not always right to go back. I touched on that earlier. If you go back to a place that is not safe or to an abuser or a place where you are in danger, that is not right. That is not what I am saying today. But sometimes when we run away, It's because we are fearful. We maybe have done something wrong and we don't want to face up to the consequences. If we've run away, it's because perhaps we don't want to have God speaking to us about our bad habits or something we have done. God met with Hagar. God wants to meet with us too. We are reminded as we look at the life of Hagar today that God is as much with us today as he was with her all those years ago. All those years ago. And he encouraged her once again to go back and to say to her, I will walk with you. And that's what again it says in this passage from Hebrews 
in verse 23, we are encouraged to hold unswervingly onto the hope that we have because God is faithful. He will not let us down. He will walk with us and help us face up to that which perhaps we have run away from or that habit that we are struggling to break. So that was the life of Hagar, but secondly, the life of Mary. And perhaps, I suppose, on Mothering Sunday, it's not a surprise that I've chosen Mary, the mother of Jesus. If we think about those themes of sorrow and joy in the life of Mary, we know that she experienced both. If we look at Luke chapter 1 and that song of praise that we know as the Magnificat, we see that verb rejoice within those verses. The rejoicing that comes from being chosen by God. She was willing to accept that role. But then she knew sorrow and pain and hurt and agony. When she saw her son on that cross... She knew what sorrow meant. When her son was being beaten and flogged and humiliated, when he was hung in agony, she was probably reminded of those words spoken to her so many years before by Simeon in the temple when she'd gone with Joseph to present the baby Jesus in the temple when he said, a sword will pierce your own heart also. Unlike Hagar, who ran away, Mary, we know as we read the gospel accounts, remains strong. And I'm sure she probably used those moments in her life early on to help her in keeping strong. We know from the gospel accounts that she treasured up the moments when the shepherds came to worship her son, when the wise men came, and she pondered those things in her heart. And I'm sure all those times were the things that she went back to when she was going through her life and watching her son grow up. We know that she spent time with Jesus during his period of ministry. She must have rejoiced when she saw how Jesus transformed the lives of so many. When Mary had said yes to God all those years before, yes, I will be your chosen one to bear your son. That moment of joy. I wonder how long it lasted when she saw the complications that arose from that decision and how people responded to it. And the sorrow, as I say, as she stood at the foot of the cross. Heart to heart, sorrow and joy. And as I I talked about, about sorrow and I talked about joy, we talk about our hearts. When Jesus was hung on that cross, What did he say to his disciple? Look after my mother. Even in the agony, he was showing his love to someone else. Joy and rejoicing. The counter to weeping and lament. Psalm 126 says, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Both sides of the opposite sides of the coin, so to speak. And we too will have experienced joy and sorrow, weeping, and and, and just wonder at what God has done. But it's how we respond. 
Are we like my soft, malleable marshmallow? Or my hard one? That's really not nice at all. Sorrow, hurt, fear, pain, bitterness, all these things, as I said, can affect us. But it's how we respond. Do we respond like Hagar, let God in and walk with us in our life? Do we like Mary using our past experiences? There's something really important, isn't there, about looking back over our life and seeing how God answered our prayers again and again and again and using those times when things are difficult, knowing that God will continue to walk with us as we're reminded here in this passage. And then my third person that I've chosen this morning is someone of whom we know very, very little. In fact, just two verses that we can read in Luke chapter 2, and it says this. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So why have I included Anna? What really do we know about her? We've got pages about Hagar. We can read about Mary, but we have just two verses about Anna. But this we do know. We know that she was recognized by the people in the temple as someone who walked with God and who was a prophet. Someone who was close to God and who wanted to proclaim and she did that as she worshipped night and day, as she fasted and prayed. She proclaimed God as her God in her daily life. I wonder how many people who she came across in her daily life whose hearts were hard and who didn't want to hear that message about the love that she had for her God. Secondly, it, this passage tells us that she was very old. I don't know how old. Well, she does say she's 84, but we don't know how long she'd been widowed. But she was in that temple, and perhaps sometimes we look at our life and think, what can I offer? And I know from conversations I've had that perhaps people are struggling because they don't feel, because of their age, that they have anything left to offer. But here, as we look at Anna, we realize that she was still worshiping and praising her God. She was keeping her relationship alive with God. It's one of the sessions that we'll be looking at in well-being as we continue that course in the coming weeks. She wanted to do all she could to tell people about her God, and she wanted them to listen. I'm so privileged to talk to people to spend time with people. And some of the most faithful prayers I know are those who are older, who faithfully pray day by day. I'm not knocking anybody of a younger age, but the conversations I have with people who pray are often with people who are older, who hold up life and the world situations, 
All of us have the opportunity to pray. But so often it's the older people who are our prayer warriors and I am so grateful to them. I am so grateful to all of you who pray for us as a ministry team or as a leadership team or as for us as individuals or as you hold up other situations, whatever your age. But here we see an example of someone who is praising God day by day. Don't stop praying. Keep turning your eyes to God. And thirdly, as we look at Anna's life in those two verses, and perhaps this is more implicit in the passage than explicit, we know that she's a widow. And that would perhaps suggest that she had no children to take care of her, and that's why she spent so much time in the temple. Because it was there that her practical and physical needs were being met. We don't know a great deal about Anna. But if I think about what she could have been like and what her journey was like, and we've only got the tiniest glimpse of that in those two verses. And if I was an artist, and I so wish I was, and if I was able to draw her face, I wonder how I would portray it. Portray it. Would it be a face full of joy, but also of long-suffering? Would I paint it perhaps as a face that is wise, but also whose eyes were eyes full of pain because she'd spent so many years without her husband? Would it be someone whose face shone with love, who knew what it was to worship God, but who herself was lonely because she spent day after day in the temple and didn't have anyone to care for her? And yet, as I think about Anna, I think how privileged she was She was one of the first people to meet with baby Jesus in that temple, that new infant. And she met with him and knew about the hope that was to come. And what did she want to do? She wanted to tell everybody in hearing about the joy that came as a result of meeting this child. She was so open to God. She wanted to share that message of hope with others around her. Three women, Hagar, Hagar, who knew what it meant to lament and to weep, but also knew the faithfulness of God and allowed God to meet with her and to journey with her along the way. Mary, who knew the joy of being the mother of God's son, but the sorrow that went alongside that. And yet for her, she used those moments when God had spoken to her and the encounters that she'd had and the way that she'd seen her son transforming lives, and she knew God was walking with her despite the grief and the pain that she experienced. And the third, Anna, a woman about whom so little is known, but whom we can see was faithful in her relationship with God, wanting to share that hope that she had with others, a life spent in prayer and worship. For each of these women... For us too, it's not about us in one sense, what we have achieved or what we can do. It's about how soft our hearts are, how open we are to God speaking to us, transforming our lives, and not allowing our hearts to become hard. 
and turn away from God? Are we willing to allow God's spirit to come in and speak to us today as we leave this place, as we stay here in the days to come? Verse 23 of the Hebrews passage says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, know this today. God is faithful. If you're in a place of pain, he wants to meet with you there and walk alongside you on the journey from that place. If you need to know that hope in your heart today, open your hands and your heart and say, God, I need that refreshment from you this day. And if we've run away, let's be willing to come to God and say sorry and allow him to come in and take us into a new place and into a new direction. Three women, our own lives. What's God saying to us today? Amen. And as we sing our last song, for those of you at home and for those of us in the building, as we think about the words that we'll see on screen, let's remember it's not about us, but it's about what God can do through us, through Christ in me. Thank you, Sam. And as it says at the end of that passage in Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In all that you do this week, may you know and hold on to that promise and know that it's not through us, but through Christ in us that enables us to go on and to know and declare his love to those we meet day by day. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. Amen. And our last song reminds us that our God is indeed an awesome God, which you'll be playing as our service online comes to an end. Thank you.